Good morning, church. I'm just going to pray for Andrew before he gives the message. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the message that you've prepared in Andrew's heart. Lord, I thank you that he's been faithful in preparation for today, Lord. And I just want to pray, Lord, that it'll be your words that are spoken, Lord. And I pray that the seeds of today's message, Lord, will fall on good soil, Lord. I pray that you will open our hearts and our ears, Lord, to not only listen to your word, Lord, but follow it, Lord, and obey it, Lord. Help us to put it into practice this week and every week to come, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you'll give Andrew peace, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that he's your vessel, Lord, and I pray that you'll work through him today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that it'll be your words that are spoken. And I just pray, Lord, um, I just pray, Lord, and I thank you that this word is right for this season. And I just pray, Lord, um, I pray, Lord, that you will help us to let go of anything this morning, Lord, that may stop us, Lord, from hearing your word, Lord, and help us to focus on you and what you have to say today. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jess. Um, love your chats in the comments. Um, thank you, Megan. I've, um, you said how you felt the Holy Spirit. Church is in your house today. You felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, it's, the name came to me. Eric Liddell said, when he used to run, he would feel the pleasure of God. God had made him to run. You know what? I feel the pleasure of God on our church at the moment. And um, this week, the family store's fully engaged in moving. Hey, please pray. We're supposed to have our lease signed, and it's not signed yet, because we're aiming for moving in the new, starting to move in the new shop Monday the 20th, which is this Monday, and we haven't got our lease signed yet. And the family store volunteers have been amazing, and I've um, packed up all the clothing and bric-a-brac from the old shop. And um, hey, if you want to buy some furniture, Click and collect, please <laughs> let us know because we need to get rid of some furniture. We're not doing that in the new shop. But I actually do feel um, the favor of God in our church in a lot of ways. And um, God's doing some great things in some people's lives. And um, so I just want to mention that. What's the other thing? Oh, yeah. The other thing I love about our church, and I realized this through doing my counseling course, one thing I love about counseling is the value of authenticity. Um, to be a counselor, you have to be authentic. Um, and for counselling to work, it has to be authentic. And I thought, hang on a minute, that's what I love about Long Jetty, is its authenticity. Not uh, Anyway, just wanted to celebrate that. And so in, in celebrating that, I had a really busy week, all kinds of stuff going on. I thought, I'm going to have to pull a sermon from the file. And I do that occasionally. I try to be spirit-led in that, that it's the right sermon, even though it's out of the file of 20 years of sermons. Um, but I sat down yesterday morning, and this sermon just, sometimes God just drops stuff in my spirit. love it when that happens. It doesn't always, because I'd get lazy. But it happened yesterday morning. And so I'm excited about this message. I believe it's a word in season. So um, I pray that you receive it in your spirit. The story is told about a pilot who was always locked down. Uh, sorry, who always he was. There's a Freudian slip. He wasn't locked down. He looked it down. So he's flying in his plane, and he looked down before lockdown, on a certain valley, and I, I practice pronouncing this, but I'm going to get it wrong, it's Alapacian Mountains in America, it's like a big long mountain range, anyways he flew over there, he used to keep always, every time he'd look down into this stream, um, out of the aeroplane window, and his co-pilot once, one time said, why do you always, when we fly over here, look down, and he said this, See that stream? Well, when I was a kid, I used to sit down there on a log and fish. Every time an aeroplane flew over, I would look up and wish that I were flying. 
Now I look down and wish that I was fishing. Discontent means dissatisfaction with one's circumstances. Discontent means dissatisfaction with one's circumstances. I enjoyed the journey of writing this sermon yesterday because one of my favorite topics is contentment. Contentment. So I want to talk about contentment this morning and how we get it despite our circumstances. So firstly, my first point this morning is contentment is of great value. Great value. It's totally undervalued in our society today. Because 1 Timothy 6.6, and I'm using the Amplified Version this morning just to fill it out a bit and and help you see um, the depths of these verses. But godliness actually is a source of great gain when accompanied by contentment. That contentment which comes from a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. What a great verse. By contentment, they meant a frame of mind which was completely independent of all outward things. Do you hear that? Completely independent of all outward things. Doesn't depend on circumstance. And which carried a secret happiness within itself. Contentment never comes from the possession of external things. It means we don't need anything external to make us happy. Christ is enough. If this morning I said, follow me, sorry, if this morning I said to you, if you do these next two points of my sermon, not this one, this one's about contentment being of great gain, but the next two, if you do those next points I'm about to talk about, you'll get a million dollars. Without you being cynical saying, I don't have a million dollars, just say I did have millions of dollars, right? And I said, if you do the next two points of my sermon, you'll get a million dollars. I reckon I would have your attention, hey. But if I say, if you do the next two points in my sermon, you'll have contempt. We go, oh, well, that would probably be nice. See how our value system is so screwed up? Because listen to this, winning a $20 million lottery ticket won't make you happier, a Harvard Medical School professor said in a recent TED Talk. He cited research showing that um, what happiness fluctuates with positive or negative changes in circumstances and in, in the short run, but that over time people revert to their own happiness set point, he calls it. So, like, good things happen, we get happy. Or bad things, we might get sad, but whatever your set point is, whatever's going on really inside of you is where you'll end up, whether you're rich or poor. And he went on to say, worse than not improving people's lives, stories abound of lottery wins destroying them. In a 2009 article in an international journal on psychiatry and clinical practice, It reported that two cases, the cases of two German patients who were hospitalized for depression after each won the equivalent of half a million dollars in the lottery. Isn't that amazing? You'd think if you won half a million dollars, that would fix everything. No. No, it doesn't. The Bible says that godliness with contentment is of great gain. See, the world tells you a million dollars is great gain. Never says that anywhere in the Bible. But it does say that contentment 
Godliness with contentment is of great gain. I remember when I left um, Queensland, Brisbane, 22 years of age, come and sign up for the Salvos Discipleship School. Those days there was no off-study or new start. I had some money in the bank God had sent me up with trying to run a car. I knew I had to live tight that year. And uh, one of the things the boys used to like to do is wander down to Coles at Swansea, about one of the only shops open um, at night. And, you'd, and I got into this habit because I knew I couldn't spend a lot of money that every time I saw something, I wanted to go, do I really need that? Do I really need that? You know what? 99% of the time, I said I had to say no if I was honest with myself. You know what? And over the years, I've learned that there's a lot of things I want I just don't really need. And it's helped me learn more and more the secret of contentment. And I believe with all my heart, I love this verse, that godliness with contentment is of great gain. Well, do you want to experience some great gain this morning? Maybe you already live a contented life. I pray that you do with Jesus. But if you don't, um, or if you're struggling with contentment at the moment and all caught up in all the circumstances going around, you know what, I need to say this too. I'll put it on the, on the thing. But you know what, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated is not the issue. The issue is the motivation that drives your decision. Don't make your decision out of fear. Don't feel coerced by the government. You know what? Paul was one of the freest people in the New Testament. He was in prison. His government had put him in prison. Our government hasn't done that yet. So don't feel coerced. For freedom we've been set free. Make whatever decision the Holy Spirit makes you, leads you to make. But don't judge other people. Don't be driven by fear. Let's be people of faith. Let's stand out, as the Bible says, as lights in the darkness. As everyone else in society is living by fear, may we live by faith. And um, this morning as well, while everyone out there is discontented and marching in the streets, how about we show the power of Jesus by living contented lives in the amongst of so much discontent? Can we do that? Can I call you to that? Well, let's look at that this morning. My second point is contentment comes when we exercise our will. You know the disappointing thing about Christianity? God doesn't do everything for you. There's some stuff that we have to do. And so Psalm 131, and actually this is what led me to my message this, um, yesterday morning, was I just was led to this psalm. I love this psalm. And it says here, David, right? And they say that David possibly, well, this was while he was possibly either running from Saul or, or you know, coping with his first wife's disappointment in him when he kind of dance before the Lord. So here's David, right, being either attacked by Saul or his wife. And this is what he says in the second verse. says, surely I have calmed and quieted my soul. Hey, that's some good advice, eh? Do you need to calm and quiet your soul this morning? See, he emphasized, I have. Not God did. I have. Yeah, sometimes, friends, we just is it possible that God is using a global, global pandemic to help us to slow down? Is it possible? He's sick of asking us to slow down. So he just says, well, you know, I'm not saying God sent the pandemic, but I'll tell you what, he will use it to grow us more like Jesus. And maybe, maybe he's just using it for our good to teach us to slow down. Because nowhere in the Bible it says to speed up might say it in Wall Street journals, but it doesn't say it in the Bible. It says, be still and know that I am God. 
It says here, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child resting with his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me, composed and freed from discontent. Hey, the picture here is a weaned child compared to an unweaned child. An unweaned child demands to be fed and cries until it is fed. It's that demand of immediate satisfaction. Where an unweaned child is just happy in its mother's presence. The psalmist says, I have quieted my soul. This is a choice to focus on God as a loving provider. I don't need to cry and throw a tantrum to get my needs met. God knows my needs. I need to ask. And when I ask, he's heard my prayers. So I trust God will meet my needs even before he does. And I rest in his presence. You know what this verse is saying to us as well? Is that let's grow up, friends. You know, when a baby's small and it's not weaned, it wants food immediately, immediately. And you know what, that's okay. We have needs. When we first become Christians, we need to get fed. You know, we need older Christians to support us. But, you know, as we become weaned, as we grow up in the Lord, suddenly we don't need to be demanding of God all the time and demanding of other people. We just need to calm and quiet our souls, knowing that God knows our needs, He can meet our needs, and we can just rest in His presence even before our needs are met. Can we do that? Can we do it? Can we? You know what? I believe more than ever the Lord has been growing up people in our church in the last 18 months. Some people have gone through some really tough stuff and have come through and have persevered. And as they have, they've gone stronger and deeper in the Lord. I've been praying and wanting that to have in our church for 10 years. And I'm excited. It's how it took a pandemic, but it's happening. It took a lot of crisis in people's lives, but it's happening. And you know what? As we individually go stronger and deeper in the Lord, then our church becomes stronger and deeper and has a greater impact on our community. I'm excited about that. Let's be like weaned children. I love the book I read many years ago by Tommy Teeny called God Chases. And the whole theme of the book, if you haven't read it, is about seeking God's face, not his hand. See, when we first come to God, we seek his hand. Oh, God, you know, I need this and I need this. I really need this. As we mature in him, we say, you know what, God, I trust you. Whether I have little or whether I have a lot, I trust you. And we seek him. You know what, if I was just seeking Melissa all the time for what she could do for me, our marriage would have been over years ago. But I need to seek her. For just She wants me just to be in relationship with her. It's not about what I can get. It's about what we can have as just being in relationship and enjoying each other's company. God wants the same thing. He's happy to give to us. He's happy to provide for our needs. But he wants us to want him just for him, not what he can do. See, wanting God for what he can do is is quite shallow. It's quite immature. It's okay for a season. But we need to grow beyond that to where we want God for him. We want relationship, and that's the most important thing. If I asked, we would most likely say, of course God's enough. If I asked you, is God enough? Of course God's enough. But what about when he says no? (laughs) Or wait? That's a great test, isn't it? Is he still enough? Will we still trust him? Will we be satisfied with his presence? 
even if he hasn't yet met all our needs. This is a maturity we should aspire to, aspire to, like a weaned child choose to trust God and be content with who he is. Contentment comes when I choose to seek God, not just his blessings. My third point this morning is the part God does. I get excited about that. The part we do is we choose to quiet ourselves. We choose to focus on God and trust him. But what God does is um, gives us the power to be content. So contentment comes from a relationship with Jesus. That's the access to God's power. It's through a relationship with Jesus. And Paul knew that. Paul said this in um, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. Now remember, that's not all things, right? Put it in context. All things like the Amplified says here, which God has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose, not mine. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with his inner strength and confident peace. How good is that, hey? I encourage you to grab it. Look up the Amplified Version sometimes. It's a great version of the Scriptures. This refers to Paul's ability to be content in all things. To achieve this contentment, he needed the strength of Jesus Christ. When we come into relationship with Jesus, his Spirit comes and lives within us and gives us the power. It's the very power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to be content. I think you could almost call it a fruit of the Spirit. It's a supernatural contentment. You know what I experienced yesterday? I just, amongst all kinds of stuff that's gone on this week, I just experienced the contentment of God yesterday. It was a beautiful, peaceful place. I thought, you know what? This is such a gift. This is such a gift. And it can center us. And it can help us just be slow and calm. And no matter what's going on around us, we can just stay focused on Jesus and trust him and know that he's got this. Paul was saying, whether with plenty or with little, that was the context of this in Philippians 4, chapter 4. That Paul had had, there's times when he'd had plenty, there's times when he'd had nothing. And he'd learned to be content in either situation. It wasn't dependent on whether he had stuff or not. It's dependent on his relationship with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit enabling him to trust and be at peace and have contentment. I think it kind of works like this. Funny thing happened, oh, I think it was sometime last year. Salvation Army approached me to be on a video um, that they wanted to send out to officers. I'm not sure I actually went anywhere. And um, there was three of us, and, and certainly one of those people was so much more resilient than me. And said, oh, we want you to, to share, you know, as we kind of do a, I don't know, there's three of us being asked, you know, sharing and being asked questions about resilience. I'm going, man, I'm not resilient. Ask, and I actually said this to the senior officer that asked me in Salvation. I said, bring Melissa. She's resilient. See, there's times in our ministry when I said, ah, oh, quit, I'm done. She goes, well, I'm not going anywhere. What are you going to do? And so I had to stay. And you know what? When I thought about this thing, that's how we get contentment through relationship with Jesus. You know how I appear to the Salvation Army as resilient, but it's actually because of my relationship with Melissa. Does that make sense? I appear content yesterday, but it's actually because of my relationship with Jesus. How good is that? We can't have the good gear, friends. We can't have the unconditional, amazing love of God where we love our enemies. 
You know what? If you hate someone today, you need to encounter the love of Jesus. And that hatred will just be washed away supernaturally by the love of Jesus. If you are struggling with anxiety today, I encourage you to engage with God and seek Him until His peace comes and smothers that anxiety. If you're discontent, see, it's through relationship with Jesus. And not just saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, but walking with him every day where he said, if you abide with me and I abide with you, you'll bear much fruit, peace, love, joy, kindness, patience. Through relationship with Jesus that we are empowered to be content. Man, you think this lockdown's bad? You listen to this one. Corrie Ten Boom was a Dutch Christian born in 1892. She was a daughter of a watchmaker, a trade she had also learned. Corrie never married and lived in the family home throughout her adult life. The family lived a humble existence but kept an open-door policy for anyone in need. They also had a strong heart for the Jews and prayed for them faithfully each week. This was in World War II, if you haven't worked that out yet. During World War II, the Ten Boom family found that they'd become a natural contact for Jews and seeking refuge. Remarkably, the extensive connections made through their watchmaking business enabled the Ten Booms to source safe houses and provide ration cards for more than 800 Jewish people. In a secret room in their own home, they also hid Jews other families deemed to be too other families had deemed too risky to hide. However, betrayed in 1944 to the Gestapo, the Ten Boom family were arrested and sent to prison in Holland, where Corrie's father died. Corrie and her beloved sister Betsy were later sent to Ravensbrück, a German concentration camp for women, where they endured unimaginably horrific conditions that led to Betsy's death. If you haven't um, read the book, The Hiding Place by Corrie Ten Boom, I encourage you to find a copy. And read it. It's such a powerful story of faith. What we need to realize is what Betsy reminded Corrie before she died. That there are no places that are safer than other places. Isn't that funny? There are no places that are safer than other places. The center of God's will is our only safety. The center of God's will reminds me when Jesus said to the disciples, all these people that left Jesus, John chapter 6, and Jesus, the most secure person that ever walked this earth, turned to his closest followers, said, do you want to leave too? Peter had a revelation. He said, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter knew what Betsy knew, that the center of God's will is our only safety. God's will is the only place that we might also find contentment. This is still Betsy's words. Therefore, as Corrie prayed, we would be wise to pray also about every aspect of our lives. Lord Jesus, this is a prayer Corrie said to pray, keep me in your will. Don't let me go mad by poking about outside it. Hey, there's a quotable quote. Don't keep me, God, keep me in your will. Don't let me go mad by poking around outside. You know, friends, I've watched so many people shipwreck their lives because they poked around outside God's will for their lives. 
I believe Betsy was right. I believe Peter was right. That the only place of safety is in God's will for our lives. I encourage you to seek God's will for your life. I encourage one of the, you know, one of, um, if one of your enemies, and I'm not saying it is, maybe, you know, I'm pretty contented even by nature, but then the Holy Spirit comes on me, man, I'm the most contented person I know some days. But if discontentment is one of your enemies, and, you know, at the moment, people are looking for, everyone's out there looking for a fight. You know what? Anti-vaxxers are not your enemy. The government's not your enemy. You know, sometimes the devil's not even your enemy. Sometimes the enemy's our own attitudes. And I would encourage you to consider this morning whether discontentment is one of your enemies that you need to overcome. And I've talked this morning about how we overcome that. I encourage you that it's worth fighting for contentment because it's of great worth. When we choose to trust God, seeking Him for Him and not what He can do, and allowing Him to empower us with the power of His Spirit, we can find a contentment that I dare say is rare in our world and particularly rare at the moment. This morning I want to ask you, do you want it? Do you see it of value? Or would you rather a million bucks? That we're told won't make you happy anyway. Are you prepared to rest in God before he meets your needs? Are you in a relationship with Jesus through which you can receive his power and therefore be infused with that power to empower you to be content? The band's going to play in a moment and I really want you to think about where you're at um, in your relationship with Jesus. You know what, if you don't, not sure you have a relationship with Jesus, we can sort that out in a minute. But also I'd encourage you to sign up for Alpha and there's opportunity to do that too um, through our Facebook page and, and um, you'll see the advertising for that and there'll be people contacting you about that too, hopefully. But anyway, you contact us um, because Alpha is all about telling people who Jesus is and how to have a relationship with him in a context where you can ask, like the ad said, any question you like. No such thing as a stupid question. And it's about us providing a safe place where you can ask your questions and do that journey to discover Jesus and discover a relationship with him. If, it's, if you're this morning you have a relationship with Jesus, but you're not seeing the fruit of that relationship in your life, I'd encourage you just to pause now as the, as the band comes to play. And um, in this moment of worship and meditation, you know, don't jump offline. Church isn't finished until it stops. Stay online, stay engaged, and use this time to slow yourself down and to meditate on the Lord and on the word, His Word this morning. And maybe, just maybe, as you open yourself to Him and ask yourself, am I in the center of God's will right now? Am I dabbling outside of God's will? That's where we'll find discontentment. But when we find, I learned a long time ago in the Salvation Salvation School, that fulfillment equals obedience. And that's why I have the fear of the Lord on my life and I will obey him because that's I want to live a fulfilled life. And so don't dabble outside of God's will for your life and make sure you're in line with him and walking in his spirit and according to the way he wants you to walk this morning. Spend this time just making sure you're right with God. And if you don't have a relationship with him, pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose again 
and I ask you to be my Lord and Saviour. And a simple prayer like that or the one on the screen is just, that's all it takes because it's about our heart attitude. It's about us wanting Jesus to be part of our lives. You can just say a simple prayer like, Jesus, please come into my life. When I was nine years old, I just prayed a simple prayer. I said, Jesus, come into my heart. And he did. And so when you pray that prayer, he will come and you'll sense something shift. And it's the beginning of the greatest adventure of your life. Let's worship him now. Let's not jump offline. Let's stay online. Let's worship him through the ministering of the band right now. And let's make sure we're right with him. Let's make sure we're in relationship with him. Make sure that we're in line with his will in our lives right now. In Jesus' name.